Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. Helping you invest in property for freedom, choice and profit. You'll learn new, innovative and multiple streams of property income. Whether you want to start, scale or systemize. And even if you don't have deposits. Hi, Kevin McDonald here and welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. And I've got a really special episode today. So I'm joined by Simon Cooper, also known as Damp Sam. So if you're interested in property investing, looking to get started in property, or you're looking to build a property portfolio, scale your portfolio, you gotta listen to this episode because one of the big problems we have in property can often be, especially in the UK, damp issues. Sam, Damp Sam is a damp expert, but he's not just that, he's also a property investor. He's been in property investing since around the 90s. So you're gonna absolutely love this episode. So Simon, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Um, Thanks for having me here. No worries at all. Before we get started, the first question I've got to ask you is, Simon Cooper, why do they call you Damp Sam? Right, so I'll, I'll give you a short version. So my cousin, back in um, when we were in junior school. Um, he started calling me Sam, Simon, shortened it to Sam. And then when I started networking back in, um, I think it was back in 2000s, um, one of the lads who would come with us, Henry, one of, one of my mates, he come up and he said, uh, there were a guy called Tankin Tony. Um, <laughs> I think you might know him, Tankin Tony. I think he's been to your networking things from up in Sheffield. Maybe. Um, waterproofing guy and he said that he's called Tankin Tony and he just went damp Sam and I thought that's going to be a good hook for if I go if I come down here networking so Kellyanne got me to come down to progressive to do the uh, multiple streams yeah and when I came down um, it, I think there, were, there must have been about about 200 people in the room upstairs in here and um, when I got, I got to sit on front because I had uh, a special VIP ticket. T- yeah, VIP yeah. ticket, so I got to sit on front. Um, and any time I could ask a question, I stuck my hand up, stuck my hand up. When they, when they said to you, um, what's your name? Because this is one of the things you do. Um, I just come up with Damp Sam. And I thought, it's a brand, people are going to remember it. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I, call, I come up with Damp Sam. So, and, it, and I've used it ever since. And then from using it, down here, um, we started doing YouTube videos. So networking thing that I went to, they said, um, you need to do, as part of social media, you need to do five videos about damp or about whatever whatever your business you're in. Five videos, upload them to YouTube. So I got my camera and it was a shop that I was renovating at the time. It was a shop in, uh, in Barnsley, a commercial. And I just thought, get out of my comfort zone, get me drill art, and I'll do one on damp proofing. So I just did some drill holes, set my camera up on my phone, did some drill holes, filmed it, and then I set my YouTube channel up, uploaded it. So I did five videos. I did one doing that, one cutting some membrane, a couple of other things. And I just left it. But I carried on going at networking for around about a year. And, uh, and then it got around to the time where they did another social media course. So I went on this social media course and then they mentioned these videos that I'd totally forgot about. So I revisited them, had a look, and I'd got like, you know, 60 views, which I thought, 60 people look, look at my videos, which that's, that's good. But at that time, I'd seen that um, Safeguard had fetched a, a new system out, which is um, called an express damp proofing system. Now, old type of damp proofing, you'd got high pressure, injection into wall. You'd got um, wet plastering, which is sand and cement or lightweight plasters. But this system, it, it just used um, dry zone, which is injected into bricks, which you probably know about. And then it, it was a, um, a dry shield cream point up wall and then a plasterboard stuck to wall. Cheapest system you can use. It, it costs no to install, but you just need specialist knowledge to install it. So I started to, I thought, well, I'll, I'll do a video of me just fitting this system. So I set my camera up. It was in a terraced house in, uh, I think it was Swinton. Set me, te- set me camera up. And then I went to the camera and I'm like, I am damp. It's, it's, in fact, it's on, 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 on my YouTube channel. It's first video that you see. 
and you'll see our kind of uncomfortable arm with camera. Hi, I'm Damp Sam, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I filmed it and then I put it up, up on YouTube and I saw that, um, you know, first, first of all, got about 60, 60 views and then I, I sort of left it for a week, two weeks. And then I got like, um, something like, it was going up to 800 views and I thought, oh, just for now, that's uh, got a bit of traction. I've, I've got, you know, 800 views. Left it a bit longer and it went at thousands. And it, it seems to get this traction and then it kept having spikes. And uh, and that showed me that there is um, a digital economy. Yeah. So this 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 was sort of four years, five years ago. Um, and at minute, it's it's up to sort of half a million views at minute. Do you want another spike? Yeah. What's your YouTube channel called? Um, if you search for Damp Sam on YouTube, um, it'll come up straight away. Um, and it, I think it, it just says Damp Sam on it. So search for Damp Sam. There ain't many other people called Damp Sam. It'll, <laughs> it'll, just, it'll just come up, me, my face. Um, and up to now, I've done about 500 videos. But don't search for that till you finish listening to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, listen to the podcast first. Um, so yeah, so, so so now I'm up to sort of, you know, 500 videos and uh, and I've just sort of done a JV we, um, with Progressive now where we've set up a podcast and they're doing some repurposing. So as well as my sort of crude rubbish videos, now uh, for, for my community, which has kind of grown to around about five, five or 6,000 people, um, we've got a more polished product so, you know, all these that's, that stuck with me and, and had my face on rubbish videos, now you get a, a you know, bet, better quality um, video. So, uh, so that's idea. And as the, as the years have gone on, as I've seen, you know, traction gaining, I can see that there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of opportunity in digital world. Um, so, yeah, so... That's basically how I got, got my name, Damp Sam, and, and that's right. how I sort of flown with it. Well, I'm going to come back to Damp in a few minutes, um, because obviously in Damp Proofers, they're not easy to find. Good Damp Proofers aren't easy to find. And almost when you find one, knowing what type of Damp Proofing you should do, is you kind of leave it up to the Damp Proofer to tell you. So I think it'll really help the audience if we talk through some of the different, you mentioned there are a few different ways to do damp proofing and what the good ways are. But I want to come back to that first of all, because you're also a property investor. Yep. So when did you start investing in property? So my first property investment were in 1994. <clears throat> um, Before I was born. <laughs> so, uh, so, so back in the 80s, um, if you live in Barnsley, there's, uh, you've probably seen it because uh, obviously you're from around Sheffield, but you, yeah. you'll you, you'll probably be aware. Of. Barnsley's got um, a broadsheet. It's one of the only broadsheets in the country now. It's called. It comes out every Friday, and it's called Barnsley Chronicle. And Barnsley Chronicle used to have a property section on it, and every week um, I'd, I'd sort of read Chronicle when I were a, a young plasterer, and and I'd get the property section, and it had page after page after page just. Each um, estate agent had their own page before social media. Obviously, now you've got um, you know these sites, but you just read each one from each um, thing. So, as as I'm reading them, I was getting to know prices for all properties, ty every type of property. They had a little commercial section on back, um, and then because I'm a, I were a plasterer, I was going all up and down the country, going in different people's houses, mm. seeing. These 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 gorgeous houses um, and and not so gorgeous ones. So in in my mind, I got a picture of the type of property that I wanted to buy, which were um, a Victorian terrace, with a cellar, attic, um, a, a front room, and a, a a sort of dining room and a kitchen on back. And I wanted uh, a garage and a garden. So I'd, I'd got this picture in my head, but I wanted it with original fit, fittings in. Um, and then I, I started looking around for property. And then this one come up on Park Road, went into the bank, got a mortgage. And then we started uh, renovating it. Renovated attic first. I knocked all walls out, got attic plastered out, and we moved into attic. We had last I was seeing at the time. Um, and then I just renovated it a room at a time over a five-year period yeah. 
took me absolutely ages, but um, but we did it to a, a really good standard. But it had every original feature in. It had um, marble fireplace in front room. It had uh, one in, in dining room. Each bedroom's had them. It had oak cornices. Woman that had had it before, she'd not even got gas. So it was one of them. I mean, you'll have, you'll have yeah. come across them properties where you find them and an old woman's had it. And <laughs> There's a lot of them in the north. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 but it's got all original yeah. features. I mean, back then it was probably a bit easier than it is now because yeah. that's what everybody's looking for. Um, so I, I did it up over... Five years. Over five years. Uh, took me up to about 1999. And then just as I... Oh, as I'd, I'd bought it, I bought it for 30 grand. And when I come to sell it, it had doubled in value. So it had gone to 60. I sold it for 60. Um, moved in with my sister. What's it worth today? It's worth... It'd be worth around about 200,000. Do you now. wish you kept it? I wish I'd have kept it. And I wish I'd have, I wish I'd have converted basement because... This was before I started with all my damp work. One of the things as well with that property, um, I found out through, I don't, know, I don't know how I found out about this, but I got a whisper that you could get a grant to, to, to do things up. And we'd already, but we'd already started some at work. So this guy from council come and he had a look around and he says, um, he says, oh, I can get you a grant for windows. I can get you a grant for um, electrics. And there was something else, something else, something else. So I ended up with a grant for about £4,900, which helped me no end because I'd, I mean, I'd got nothing. You yeah. know what I mean? It, well, I would bought a house and then I was just doing bits when I had a bit of spare money um, and borrowing, you know, borrowing uh, bags of plaster off of different sites that we were on, dra- dragging them back. Um, but yeah, so doubled in value. And then I was looking for a property then. So where I lived in, in, in Barnsley, well, Mont Breton, and I used to walk down Burton Road every day to go to, to, go to town. Um, when I started going out, so, so we moved in when I was in the 70s. And then, it, so every day, if I was going to town, just shopping when I was when I a teenager, I'd walk down Burton Road. And there, there was this house, and it was between, two, there were some terraced houses, and it was between two terraced houses, set back, what I call built into a um, into a hill. It's a villa built into a hill. It weren't really. It's a single story bungalow. It had a flat roof, and it had one massive window, one massive window in front. Awful, it, just an awful building. Um, and I used to walk past, and what they used to do is they left the light on all night. So I'd walk to town if I were, when I started going out, come back, and I'd be like, it's one o'clock in the morning, they've got light on. Curtains open, and they left light on all the time. Um, and when I went, to, when I bought my house at Park Road, we always leave leave us light on, so burglars don't get in. I think that's what it is. Burglars think there's somebody in. But when I sold my house, looking round for different houses, um, and this property, it was you could just see top of it, and there were all there were all these trees all around it, um, and a little white fence. that awful. So. My sister says, why don't you go and look at, at that bungalow? It's been up for sale for 12 months. So I thought, oh, I'll go on then, I'll have a look at it. Anyway, I went into estate agents, got a view in, went up path. Soon as I went right back, it was just covered in trees, but there were just land to the side, land to the other side. Gardens at back were just like some off a queue. They were, they were all tiered and old couple had, they'd made a great job. Um, so I ended up buying that. So it went up for £60,000, went in, um, offered 40. They, they said no. Went back with another offer, offered 46. I got it for £46,000. So this property, I started, got in, ripped roof off and, uh, and, got, and got it to live. So I, I put like an apex roof on, built an extension outside um, and then moved in again, did a bit at a time, got bathroom in. And then kitchen. I was sleeping in a sleeping bag um, on site. And then I've done it up a bit at a time, bit at a time, bit at a time. What 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 I did then, I got some fencing. And there were, I'd, well, I, we, we got, I got a garden plot to it right. I gave that to my mum and dad. They built a house there. On other side, as soon as I moved in, I bought some Harris fencing. And I fenced a big section off. So... Made my intentions clear, 
this is mine, even though it weren't. Fenced a big section off. At that time, I'd, I'd sent off for a, a little disc, again, before social media, before si uh, files, a little CD come, and it were about possessory title. Yeah. So I read up on possessory title, you know, what, what's needed. First thing you have to do, fence it off. Then take care of it. One way, and then take care of it yeah. over, over 12 years. Um, so anyway, 12 years later, applied to land registry, and it weren't an overnight thing. Took about a year and a half for it to come through. Land registry are just slowest things that, I, that I've ever, ever, slowest company I've ever had to deal with. They just take forever. So um, so we got this land anyway. And then uh, over coming years, applied for planning permission, got planning permission for a four bedroom property to build on it. Um, but last year in lockdown, I built this massive kitchen extension. So anybody that looks on my videos, you'll see that a lot of my videos is done from kitchen extension. It's 12 meters by six meters, just a kitchen. Uh, and we were gonna build this property next door and move into it. But because we've got this kitchen extension, we've got like such a lovely view and um, sunsets behind trees. And if we build this house, we're going to be in shared. So what I did, I, we started the project um, and I got um, a company. I'm just trying to think what, what they're called, Ellie. So Ellie McKay, we're on a, um, yeah. she were on a clubhouse and I rang in or, or got, got to speak and I was asking about, um, it, it was getting up to a three year period. And I says, I, how do I stop planning from lapsing on this. I said, start start yeah. the works. So Ellie said, uh, I'll, I'll direct message you. So she sent me um, uh, details for uh, some uh, planning people in Birmingham, Marins, I think they call them. Um, I got in touch with them and he sort of said, we're going to have to knock about here. I says, it, 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 it was January, it was lapsing in the uh, end of April. So then it cost me another 10 grand um, to satisfy planning conditions. But we got it through, dug an hole, took a picture, and now that can stay. When I'm dead and buried, my son, he'll sort of take it on. And if he wants to build an house, he'll build can. an house. So if he wants to sell it, but um, but we'll probably keep family home. Um, so this this house, what, what I bought for 46,000 pound, it's the house that never stops giving. So it's like um, we've, we've sort of got, well, my mum's house is in trust for me and my sister. So that were, that were another thing um, that we did. So seven years ago, um, I, talk, I spoke to my parents and I said, look, what's happening is people with, you know, el elderly people, um, they're losing their houses that they've worked all their life for. What we need to do is, is put it in a trust. So a, a mate of mine had, had just done it, had just put it in a trust. So he gave me a number of solicitors. We went there, well, took me ages to get my dad to do it. My dad kept saying yeah, and then he kept saying no, having second thoughts. So I gave him all these, um, I gave him all these, what they call it, these, these leaflets. He read up on it and he said, right, he says, that sounds okay. So we went in and did it. Um, and some of the clauses that they put it, I don't know how they call them clauses. They have to list why they want to put it in a trust. And one of them is, uh, if my mum, if my dad passes away, it's in case my mum gets married, you know. I mean, she's like 80 odd. Yeah. But it happens. Yeah, it does, yeah. It happens yeah. and people lose the properties because of it. She could marry a 25 year old. Yeah, yeah. It could happen. Well, I, well, <laughs> I had an auntie in South Africa. Um, I should say this. I had an auntie in South Africa. Nobody's listening. And she would be like. She, she was big into church. Um, and that happened to her. So, so this, this lad had an interest in her. He were, he were like in his 30s, I think she were in her 70s, but nobody could, we couldn't tell her, you know what I mean, that it was because he were after your money. But anyway, happens, things, it happens. Yeah, things yeah. came to a, um, an end and that ended anyway, but um, yeah. So the Trusts are definitely great and, and if, you're, if you are looking to protect your assets from um, inheritance tax, look into trusts for sure. Um,
your first two property deals then, the first one was to, you moved into it, spent five years doing it up, and it was kind of your family home, you sold it on. Your next one, again, is still your family home, I guess. Now, for anyone who's starting out in property, do you think they should, I'm gonna talk about investments and tenants and stuff as well. You've got some tenants and investment properties? But I've got, yeah. I've, let's, let's go there in a minute. But for anyone starting out in property, should they, with your background in construction and build, in, in build works and damp proofing, et cetera, um, refurbishments, should somebody who's looking to get started in property do their own projects, do their own refurbs, or should they hire the professionals in? It depends on, um, it depends on how much renovations has got to be done. Um, if, you, if you're knocking walls out and you know, putting uh, steels in, you need to get professionals in. But like you know, some properties, you can buy them and they might only need decorating. Mm. So if, you, you know, if, if, if you're any good at decorating, then there's no, there's no reason why you can't just do them yourself. But um, every property is different. I think mm. that's what I'm, what I'm looking to say. Don't try doing damp proofing yourself. Um, that's a specialist, um, a specialist area because not all damp is rising. And this is, this is one of the things that I want to try and get through to people because there's, there's five or six different types of damp um, and it needs to be diagnosed correctly mm. because a lot of companies, and I've, I've seen reports from companies, because we, we, well, I do damp and timber uh, service. I'm, I'm a qualified damp surveyor and waterproofing surveyor. And I get sent... Um, Rick surveys and I get sent uh, other damp companies surveys and when I see that they've put it's got rising damp all the way through and it's got to be hacked off all the way through bells start ringing in, in my head because if they're saying that there's rising damp around your um, your fireplace and it's been blocked up then it, it won't be rising damp, it's probably sulfates and it's probably bridging. The surveyors don't know, do they? No. They just make a comment on a report. Yeah. Now, just for anyone, so you mentioned rising damp there. For some people listening right now, uh, maybe you're like me and you're thinking rising damp, that's a TV program from the 70s. So what, what is rising damp? What causes rising damp and what other types of damp are there? So just give us a little bit of a um, simple terms, new person thinking about damp, how do we identify what different types of damp are? All yours. So rising damp is basically ground um, salts from ground that move up capillaries, um, and then the the water evaporates out of the wall and leaves a salty deposit. And you normally see what's called a salt band. So um, these are properties that's not, probably not got a, a damp course in. What we look at is properties pre. Um, 1919 is classed as uh, traditional. After 1919 is modern. Now, these properties before 1919 that's got damp courses in, and there's properties after the ant. But I think it was um, Spab or one of these um, ancient uh, companies that, that, that sort of do you know, look after um, architecture and stuff like that. Um, it was them that had to make a mark. So they, they, they always said 2019, so before that and after. But um, there's different types of damp cores. So you, you might have slate. They might have used slate. They might have just used like, um, they have like a, like a ledge. I I'm just trying to think what, what uh, how I'd explain that. It's uh, not a ledge. It's where bottom brick sort of juts out. Um, anyway, so yeah. <laughs> that's part of damp course as well. And it's it, it, and, and underneath you have like an engineering brick. Yeah. So it's a more dense brick. But um, water finds its easiest path. So groundwater will go up through um, less dense area. And they used to think it what bricks. And it's it's generally mortar. So it goes up through mortar course. So when you drill mortar course, if you if you retrofit in a a DPC, you'd you'd drill into mortar course, um, and stop stop the moisture's path. But the other types of damp, you've got if you've got different ground levels, higher ground levels, lower ground levels inside a property. So you've got to step up into the kitchen, then you might have a concrete uh, floor, 
and then you might have sort of you know i don't know about 150 mil which is um we can get lateral damp so damp is going to come horizontally um and that little area needs a waterproofing system you've got sulfate salts which is a sulfate is a byproduct of when fossil fuels were built uh, burnt in um in open fireplaces so basically soot on inside a chimney when that gets wet that'll migrate to the surface and uh, you get like a yellow staining and uh, the, both both types of salts are what's called hygroscopic so once they're on the surface at plaster they'll absorb moisture from um, from the atmosphere and then show up even wetter so it kind of compounds it um, and just because you've got that what you'd have to look at as well is if you've got adequate ventilation. So all properties should have um, a, a, a fan in kitchen and a fan in bathroom. And there should be low carbon, continuously running ones. And that stops build-up of humidity. And that stops it compounding on walls. So you've got all these different types of damp that need to be diagnosed separately so that separate systems can be used yeah. to... Um, to to stop you getting issues in you know in, in future. What's the most difficult one to get rid of? Um, for me, none of them. Because <laughs> uh, I'm that, asking that's what the I expert. Do. What's but, the most difficult one um, to get rid of? There's different. Situations. What's the most expensive? Um, probably waterproofing. So, but but this this is like a, a different area. So where 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 I'm from, and which used to be your um, catchment area. Um, We've got lots of properties that's built on hills. So there's yeah. a lot of cellars. Now, these cellars, if they were in London, Manchester, or any of big cities, they'd be worth converting. Yeah. Where I'm from, it's not going to add any value to yeah. houses. So these are these are hard to hard to do because there's a, there's a, there's a, a document called BS eight one zero two, and the, in that document, it's a guide for our um, structures. That's got uh, our structures below ground should be waterproofed, and in this guide, it tells you that, that it should have a drainage system. Now, there's a lot of um, companies fitting um, waterproof systems, converting these small cellars, but they're not putting uh, uh, drainage in. So what they're doing is that it can only be used as a storage unit. So this is grey area. Um, and I know it's like some people can only afford to have it without a drainage system because that involves a sump pump uh, channels and then obviously concreting and stuff. But if they find someone who, who says, well, I'll do it for five, I'll do it a, a, a cellar for five grand. And then they just put waterproofing membrane on wall yeah. and flower. And then they can use it as storage. You tend to find them sticking a bed in order and a telly, and they, and they yeah. use it. So, um, but your issue is going to be when water starts to come to bear on structure. It's going to come in at um, floor is... ceiling, uh, sorry, floor wall joint. Um, and then when water comes in, it's whether they've understood with the person that's fitted the system. Have they understood that? They haven't put a drainage system in, yeah. And as the company sat, got them to sign, that they've been told that if you don't put a drainage system in, you can only use it for storage. So that's one of the issues. So I'd say waterproofing is going to be most expensive, um, and it, it's not going to add much value in Barnsley yet. You know what I mean? As gentrification happens and you know Manchester gets more expensive, Barnsley's we're not far off there, so. You never know. Mm. <laughs> that, that leads on to question actually about costing up a refurb because you touched on a really good point there is if you're in London and you do a, a basement conversion and you could add like a basement flat or something, you're going to add massive value. You could title split it. You could sell it separately. Same in cities like Manchester. But if you go to Barnsley or and not just Barnsley, there's other towns available <laughs> in the north as well. So anywhere sort of probably north of Nottingham, say, um, if you took a, a level yeah. across the country, the cost of doing a, lo a basement conversion or even a loft conversion, so it probably adds about the value to the property or even you might even spend more on a basement conversion yeah. than it'll add. So how do you 
cost up per view. If you're starting out in property, if somebody's listening to this now and they're thinking, I want to get into property, I'm going to take on a refurbishment project. What tips would you give them on sort of costing up a refurb and what's worth doing and what's not worth doing? Well, when <clears throat> we, we get, I get loads of inquiries um, for basements. And what I've got is I've got a responder, what I send out. So, and that, that explains to them how much per square, uh, square meter it'd be for a, a basement and how much a, a, a drainage system would be. So I'll say that we'll get inquiries. It saves me going out looking because the, basically they'll go down into the cellar and they'll go, oh, it's like a, you know, it's a great room, this. Mm. Um, we'll ring somebody up and get somebody to come out and, and price it up. You know what I mean? Thinking that y- y- your time don't cost money. So one of the systems that I've got is we, we made this responder. When we get an inquiry, I'll send it out. Um, nine times out of ten, people don't, don't ring back because <laughs> to find out what, what it is, and on mine, it says um, 1,500 per square meter of floor space. Um, but then you have to measure height. Is it two meters? Because that's um, building regs at bottom of stairs. Is it two meters? If not, you might have to dig down. If you have to dig down, you might have to underpin it. Underpinning is three to five uh, thousand pound per meter. You might have to do that. Drainage system starting at sort of five thousand or plus that, mm. and when they look at these, you know, five by five um, rooms, and it's going, you know, it's going to cost yeah. them like forty odd thousand pound to be to be done correctly. Yeah. Now, I'm, like I was saying before, people will do it cheaper. They, there's always somebody going to do it cheaper. That's the problem. Is they they look at the price <clears throat> of it forty k, and then they go for the cheap option, and cheap means cheap, not valuable, and they end up having to do it again or not using it how they wanted to. That's um, it. But 40K or even more to do that in London will add significant value. But I guess 40K in, in north of sort of Nottingham and it's not adding 40K. Well, so I've, it's known where you are in the country. Yeah, I've, I mean, yesterday I was looking at, uh, on, on uh, I think it was on our Facebook, I'm on a Facebook group for, um, on Wickham Hill's Facebook group for waterproofing. And uh, they, they kind of put projects on that the, the they've supplied materials to. And there were a, um, a vaulted a vaulted ceiling that went under a pavement in London, and it weren't as big as a cupboard at my house. It, it, it was tiny. It, it was about as wide as that alcove, and then probably say three meters. And they'd they'd, they'd waterproofed it by rendering it, and then they'd put a, um, a a membrane system on it, and then they'd lattered it, and then they'd kind of had it all plastered. And it looked great when it was done, but amount of money that that would have cost to have that done, um, only in London will it add value to yeah. the property. And like I said, they'll probably stick a bed in there and somebody will live in that. Like. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so it all depends on where you are in country, you know, yeah. to, to what they're going to, what your price is going to be. So if you're in the south of England, certainly great opportunity to add value by doing basement conversions. If you're in the north, um, probably, and I've found this, I've got a lot of basements, I've never converted them because it's just not really worthwhile um, when you look at the costs. So in the north, probably not converting basements wise, but whether you be south or north and you're focused on just a normal house, the normal bedrooms, let me give you some examples and and tell me what you think of these. I've been in some properties, many properties. um, Damp on the outside walls, you kind of inject the walls, I guess, and and stop the damp. Let me give you some examples of stuff I've seen. So middle of the house, under the stair cupboard, um, there's this, the walls are wet, but there's no sign of any wet on the external walls. What's causing that? Probably condensation. So if, if, you've got, um, if you've got a cupboard and it's a dead pocket, dead pocket of air, then if we went in, first thing I'd look at, is there, is there an extractor fan in the kitchen? Mm. Is cooker hood uh, venting externally? Upstairs, have they got one in the um, bathroom? That's the first thing I'd look at. If they have got one in the bathroom, is it performing good? And one of the best things to do to see if your fan's performing, flick yeah. it on, get a, get a 10 pound or 20 pound note, depending on how rich you are, stick it on thing and just see whether it sucks it and holds it on. If you don't hold it on, then your fan's not performing. But other thing, if you are, if you are having to switch it on with light, you're not going to have much ventilation. So you want to continuously run in one over um, 24 hours. So these fans, when, when they're fitted, the, the low carbon, 
I had one fitted in my bathroom and I was reading paperwork on it uh, and I couldn't believe how much it was to run. It was 49 pence for year. For the to, year? To run, yeah. What type of fan's that? Low carbon. Low carbon fan? Yeah, continuously running. Um, and a lot of your cost is apparently when, when it switched, switches it on and off. Um, and that's what the increased energy prices. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, the, so these fans continuously running. So what, what happens is they're just running. They're, they're not going flat out. They're just really slowly running over 24 hours. And then when you, when you do turn light on, it gives it a boost. Right. So while it lights on, it's running quickly. And when you turn it off, it'll run for a bit. And then it'll just start on a trickle, what we call a trickle. So it's continually taking humid air out of property. Um, so if, if you've got to build up a um, if you've got to build up a humid air inside your property, and you've got an under understairs cupboard, you've got cold walls, um, then you you know you've not got much ventilation in there, so condensation will form, and because there's no ventilation running in and out, it's not going to evaporate that moisture on walls, and then you get black mold forming. You get this in kitchens behind kitchen units. I mean, we get a lot of a lot of calls, and they'll say, um, "My kitchen units." When I, every time I open cupboards, the stink of mold, and straight away I'll, I'll go, "It's because you've got lack of adequate ventilation, cold walls at back. There might be some damp at back as well. So um, condensation is forming, it's staying, and then black molds formed. And so every time you open that, you've got that musty smell, and you can't get to treat that mold. So you can only say. Well, you can add some ventilation now, so you can put some vents in kicker boards, so you you, know, you could drill some holes and put some lower vents on, just allow air to flow around it, um, and then make sure you get a decent ventilation in your in your kitchen as low carbon uh, fan, and then when you change your kitchen, then in between, you know your old one going out, your new one coming in, then. Uh, you know, get a damp proofer in and uh, get them to look at it. If it's if it's dry and you've just got black mould on, just get it treated and treat it with a, um, a product with uh, benzylconium in it. So have a look on back and look for benzylconium. Don't treat it with all that's got sodium in it because uh, sodium's a salts. So when I was saying that you've got ground salts that, that leave a, a band on, on your wall and then you've got sulfate salts, that's on your um, chimney breast, they absorb moisture because they're hygroscopic. So if you've got um, a, a mold spray that's got that's sodium based, once you spray it on, it'll get rid of it to start with because it's, um, it's bleach based and bleach is uh, sodium based as well. So once you spray it on, it's okay, it'll remove it to start with, but then once it's left, that means it's going to absorb moisture and it, the, it's going to come back quicker. Yeah. So you you know you need to use uh, proper products and then probably paint it with a, um, an anti mold paint. So uh, yeah. So there there are a couple of tips for if, right. you, if you've got smelling cupboards in your uh, in your kitchen. Another big one, probably the biggest one that people will have is the fireplaces. So you've got wet fireplaces. What's the quickest way to remedy that? Um. I guess what's causing it as well, and what's the quickest way to remedy it for anyone who's looking to get started in property unsure? I, I mean, a lot of times, if you've got if you've got like a, a fireplace, have a look to see whether it's been blocked up. If it's been blocked up and there's no vent in it, you need to get a vent in, and then go outside, have a look at your chimney, have a look at your chimney pot, make sure you've got a cowl on top. If it's if it's unused, make sure you've got a cowl that's going to vent it, so you, it won't allow rainwater to come down but your air will flow through vent and then up and that'll stop condensation forming on inside at flow because if that if that um if if, if that flue gets wet and the soot gets wet then like i was saying before it's going to migrate to the surface and then you're going to have sulfate issues but but the other thing as well is we're we're fireplace it, it needs a, a waterproofing system on because on bottom if if it's been backfilled. So so you make up of your fireplaces, you've got your hearth, which has not got, if it's an older property, you've not got a, a damp proof membrane in there. So you've got your hearth. And then what, what they normally used to do is used to fill it with 
rubbish and bricks and then all sooted fall of it of it years um, and and then that start filling up um, and then you can get um, sort of damp will, will rise up that way and then it'll come laterally so you need to isolate them uh, salts so what you need to do is put a, a waterproofing system on different waterproofing systems on market so one simple one which is an old method is sand and cement with a waterproofer in render you render it and then you put a, a polymodified slurry on and then uh, and then skim up at top. Or, I mean, some systems allow them to just paint it straight onto brickwork, but I'm always a bit sceptical, people that paint it on brickwork, because there's a lot of holes in it. Unless, unless you've filled them holes, you're going to get air holes and stuff, even if you put two coats on, um, and it takes longer. So these quicker, these quicker like um, systems that you can use, one of the systems that safeguards fetch start is a, a membrane called Dryflex. So how this works is, and this is this is good for um, if you've got damp issues on a on a, a chimney breast which is in an attic or upstairs in a um, bedroom, and you don't want to hack or plaster off. Well, this system it's a um, it's a membrane, and it's based on the tanking system or the waterproof system that tilers use so when they when they do a wet room they put like a, a membrane on but it's 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 fitted with a, um, a waterproof adhesive so you put your waterproof adhesive on and then you notch it with a notching trowel and then you sit your me your membrane in and then you iron it in so that it sticks to your, your membrane um, and then you can skim straight up at top so if you've got like a, a patch on top of a chimney breast or if it goes onto ceiling you cut your membrane to shape, you put your uh, adhesive on and then you sit it in and iron it in and then you skim over it and that creates a, a barrier because what, we, what we're trying to do is we're trying to isolate these salts and that system's a, a, an isolating system and you can use it for waterproofing as well but um, it is, a, it is a, a brilliant system. Other way of doing it is you, you hack all plaster off and then you put a, a plastic membrane on so this is this is where um, we are come to this new system. I'd say it's, it's not really new. It's about it's about six or seven years old. What what um, safeguard fetched out? So this is most simple damp proofing system and cheapest you can get. And it's ideal for anybody that's wanting to to have a go as a DIYer. Not so much for damp proofing, but if they've got any areas of loose plaster. So what you need is um, you need a, a, a a product called Dry Shield, you have a product called Dry Grip and a plasterboard. So what you do is you get your plasterboard, bit that's fallen off, you, you hold it up, If it, say if you have a square like that, then you draw around it and then you hack it off so that your plasterboard can sit in. You get your Dry Shield uh, cream and you paint it on, it's like a white cream and then it goes uh, see-through. You let that dry and then you get your dry grip in the applicator and you put small dots like that on it, get your plasterboard, just ease it on. And sometimes you might have to hold it in place with a prop. Once that's in place, your plasterboard's held off at wall, sort of a few millimetres, so there's not going to bridge. And uh, you can have it, you can just skim it. So you can form up any gaps, slice it off, and then just skim over it. And it's the easiest method ever. And this is a method that um, I'm doing a digital product on. So our industry has got like an absolute terrible rap. It's like it, it, we've got, there's a lot of problems with misdiagnosis. Like I was on about before, we, you, you've got um, it, these companies going in and saying everything's rising damp. Well, because we've got a, a bad rap, one of the reasons why I'm sort of so visible on, on YouTube is so people can watch videos that I've done me showing them how it should be done so they've got some kind of mm. idea I was going to say those things you've just mentioned there and that demonstration you just did um, for anyone who's listening to this on the podcast or on YouTube where, have you got visual showing how to do that yeah. on your website so on you if, if, you, if, you, if you so if Damp you, Sam on YouTube go on to, on to um, YouTube search for Damp Sam I'll have done a video on it, so go look for damp proofing or just put keywords in and it'll come up, it'll come straight up. But this system is so easy, 
what I'm trying, what what we're trying to do is is get more people in our in our industry, which is preservation industry. We've got a massive shortage, um, and I'm 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 in PCA Property Care Association, um, and we're we're trying to get more people to come and do the training there, so they know every different type of damp and and, and how to you know fit these systems correctly. Um, and how I started it as a plasterer, sort of you know back in 1983, I, I went to college, learnt how to plaster. Um, Started off on, on a CITB scheme and lost my job at the end of that scheme. I was only there for a year, lost my job because of minor strike. There was no work. So I had to sort of keep going to uh, college off my own back, paying for it myself, learning as I went along. It's so stressful. Sometimes, uh, you know, I, I just used to feel like crying, having to scrape a ceiling down, um, this Artex, unibond it and skim it. And this was back when, you know, bags of plaster were 50 kg. So imagine like a, a bag of plaster now is 25 kg. One bag will double that. Well, you, you can remember them, can't you? I couldn't carry them. I can remember them. I just couldn't carry them. Bags of, <laughs> bags of, um, ba- bags of browning were like a coffin. They were, they, were, they were long and big. Plasterboards, plasterboards, eight befores used to come in a, what's called a clip. So you had two plasterboards and they were bonded together with a piece of paper. So when you were loading an house out, you had to carry two plasterboards at a time. And I, I'm, I mean, I, I went as bright, as wide as where I am now. I well, like a lap, believe it or not. And I had a long flowing hair and model looks, but um, that was just me. But so it, it was just so hard back in, in, in early days to, um, to, to try and make a living. But I, I, I kind of persevered and persevered Got to a point where I wanted to, I wanted to get in. Um, I just, I, I went to college, did my plastering, I got advanced plastering, and then I started doing an HNC, a national certificate in building management, and I did my first year, and it was so hard. It was just so hard. Um, I was, I was learning stuff that I just didn't know an out about. We were doing surveying. This is your background, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Your quantity surveyor. I was a quality manager, but everything in construction, yes, quantity surveyor. Well, you, remem- you, you remember old old method, which were we a chain. So when I were at Barnsley College, and I just couldn't get my head around it. They'd send us out surveying, and and they'd give us these chains, yeah. and I'm like, what's it? I, I, it just I couldn't I couldn't because I've not been on site and seen it. It just won't register in my head. Um, but I, I did a couple of hacks. So lads that were in our class who were surveyors, I kind of got them to sort of pull me through. <laughs> um, and and with HNC, you have to get a unit at a time. So there's a, a unit here, a unit there, a unit there. Um, and each unit is a class. So you might have an half unit, you might have a double, you might have one unit. And you've got to get 10 to pass. So I did mine over four years because I failed a few units, but I persevered, carried on, carried on doing it, carried on doing it. But it came to a point where I, I got a, I, I, I was in between jobs and I, there was a job um, in Sheffield and it was um, student games, Commonwealth games, they came to Sheffield and you know them flats on um, on Hill, they're, they're all, they've been done out nice now. Well, that was going to be at Student Village and they were renovating them. So I got a job as a finishing foreman for a plastering company um, and they were from down south, um, two or eight sharks. So um, I think they only they only took me on before Christmas um, to show that there were you know that that that, that everything were okay. Um, and I learned a bit from it. And then after Christmas, um, we came back to the on day. A guy who what actual foreman gives me these pile of letters. And can you hand them out? And I'm like, looked at them, and it was they'd gone bust. So I'm having to hand these out to all plasters, all these letters. And I'm like, oh no. I mean, they were all right with me because they knew it weren't my fault. But they weren't. I mean, they yeah. weren't happy like big plasters. And I mean, I'd only be 21. Um, so that kind of went down thing. And I, I kind of at my lowest ebb. So I applied. I went to. Um, is it they call it Crosspool in Sheffield? 
Yeah. Is it a place where there's um, used to be where market used to be in bottom of Sheffield? Not sure. And there were, an, uh, there were an RAF recruiting uh, office, and I'd had, I'd just had it up to here, and I thought, I know what, I'll go and join RAF. So I went to I went into um, RAF office and I said, I want to join RAF. I want to be a photographer. I got me here that. If I joined RAF and became a photographer, that can't be hard, can it? I was in a camera. <laughs> and then I could end up just for, for, you know, being a paparazzi or somewhere once I've learned how to do it. And I went in and you'd got to, you'd got to take an exam. I didn't know you'd got to take exams. So goes in, sits down, takes, took exam. And it was like when I first left school, we had to take an exam for CITB. And however many you got, were judged in what you could do. So whatever percentage you got, like electrician what top, plumber, and then uh, bricky joiner, plasterer, and... Uh, Photographer painter. was last, was it? Painter, 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 what, painter oh. what last. And then, but I, obviously I, I, I wanted to be a bricky. I could have been a bricky or a, or a plasterer. Um, and that, that's a story in itself because I, I'd, I'd gone to be a bricklayer and they were supposed to be getting me a, um, a placement, and it was coming up to September, and my mum phoned um, Guy up, who was head at CITB, and it, it, i tell you it was, it was that councillor, Cl- Betts, Clive Betts, so, uh, Sheffield councillor, and he was working for CITB, and my mum phoned him up, and she goes, uh, with his placement, and they goes, oh, hang on a minute, could you get muffling up phone? And the next, next minute, um, we thought you all were going to get a placement, and he says, "Well, you all said that you're going to get a placement, top and bottom, no brick lane uh, placements, but we've got this plastering, one, one for a plaster." You're you know, trying to get away from plaster. Yeah, she's, she's, there's, a, there's a position for a plaster, or you can wait a year, and then they'll get you a place for bricks. I says, "I'm not waiting." I says, "What's a plaster do?" You know, I didn't even know. So anyway, so I did that, but then obviously it was same thing with um, with RAF. You, you, you sort of where you came on, on list were judged on what job you could do. Yeah. So obviously, the pilot were out at window. I couldn't, I couldn't be a pilot. But, um, I think photographer were up here. I think only thing I could do was like be at their lowest job because I, I just, I, I took that exam and I think you've got to know what you're doing. You must have to prepare for it. Like in life, you've got to prepare prepare for things. So then, didn't get in that. <sighs> Can't do that. And then other thing was, they were, um, uh, I'd always fancied fire brigade. So they were recruiting for fire brigade. Fire brigade jobs were just like rocking horse uh, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you, you just couldn't get a, a, a fire brigade. Anyway, they were advertising and it, uh, and it was at, um, you know, as you go, you'll know fire, fire brigade because it's like you're somewhere down to workshop. It's, it's that turn off. Um, I think it's turn off to work. So you, you you head towards Sheffield, I think it is, or Chesterfield, and it's there on your fire station's there on your right. I'd, I'd applied, sort of phoned up, put my application for me, and they said, yeah, you know, come for an uh, interview. I thought, oh, I just forget that. I'm laughing because I can do a bit of plastering, and then they have all this time off. So I pulls up at, at Fire Brigade place, and I'm like, the queue. Were just snaking out at door. It went round, round in a, 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 some houses and back round. Got to back at queue. Went in and it, and that were like a, a verbal interview. So I, I waited, got me interview. Now got a letter through. Sorry, um, but as I'm but as I'm queuing, I'm looking at this because there's a, there's that massive tower and I'm looking at it. And I'm thinking, I ain't really thought this through. I'm scared of heights. I'm like, look, I'm looking at this town. I'm thinking, I think you've got to like go up thing. And I've have a mate called uh, Almo, and he is a is a um, a fireman. And test that he had to do. I don't know if you know that they have to do this test where they run up a ladder, and they have to go right to top rung, and then they have to take both hands off and stand there on top rung. Wait, wait. And I said, oh, no, I want to be able to no, I'm, no, I'm not. So that 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 that. That were a no-no. Couldn't do that. Couldn't do that. It went me bottom, and then I, I just had this moment where I just thought, do you know what? All these doors have been shut in. I'm just gonna have to be best at what I do. I'm yeah. just gonna have to be best plasterer, best plasterer that there is. And 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 from that moment on, 
I concentrated on, I, I mean, I were a decent plasterer, but I just thought I'm going to do everything that I can to be best plasterer ever. Um, and once I got that thinking, um, I never, I never looked back. Um, and that's the key, is focus on, too many people are jumping between jobs. It's focus on something and specialise in it. I never told you this, my dad was a plasterer. I, I heard it on one of your other um, oh, yeah. on your, things. You used to help him, didn't you? Yeah, well. yeah, he was a plaster all his life, so that's all he ever did. Yeah, I, I, and just to say, hardest job in the world. And hardest honestly, job in the world. it's the hardest job in the world. Anybody that plasters, um, mm. just take me out of to him. It, it's just so hard. You're just under pressure all the time because once you, once you put your mix on it, and if you, if you were ever like, like I was, a plasterer is. is Forever pushing the sends until they get to sort of late on in in life. So, like if you're doing a full house, you'll mix up and you might feel you might feel strong one day. And what you'll do is you'll put like say that wall on. Then next day you'll oh, get a bit more on, a bit more. And you're just constantly under pressure, under pressure because you put more on, you put more on, and you're going round and flattening off, and then it might be warm, and that wall's going off, and this wall's going off, and sweat's throwing off you, and you just feel like, like I said, you just feel like sitting down and <laughs> crying because you're just under pressure all the time. And it's the environment, the dust, everything. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've, I've been quite lucky because uh, I've always looked after myself. Um, but I've a lad who, um, who I've plastered with Sid for, for years, the, the tourers, um, is now, because he's just carried on plastering, carried on plastering, because I've kind of done, done all of the stuff, he's, he's just dropping to bits. So I went to see him the other day, he had to drop him some, some money off. That's, have a, if, if anybody's on the air, have a look at that story that I've done about shares that I had, because uh, it's a long story, but have a look at shares, but Sid's involved in that. But um, we um, I had to drop him some money off, but... Is is he's got this condition called planter's summer, and basically what it is is if you wear ill-fitting shoes for year, long periods and that, you 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 arch on your shoulder. But it Benji. happens as you get older anyway. You arch, but you get this. It, 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 basically, when you put your foot down in your heel, it's like somebody's drilled a, a, an hole straight through your heel. You, you can't put weight on your heel. So he, so he got that. So he came out of his house. Um, and as he's got up on the morning and he's put his foot down, he's jarred his back then. So his back, his back's gone. So when he comes out, he came out the house walking towards us, he, he just looked like he'd got tight knickers on. He was like, he was just walking funny. But I know I'm laughing, but um, a lot of plasters get sort of injuries as, as, they, get older. as they get older. And uh, I've, I've done a list uh, on, on on, on my podcast, I did a list of injuries that plasters get, so the shoulders, elbows, a lot of itises, because it's repetitive use. Um, my dad, um, blood stopped circulating to the bottom part of his body. Really? Because, uh, because he never wore masks and stuff. He also smoked when he was younger, but um, his circulation problems, and he started to get gout, and they actually had to amputate his foot below the knee. Really? And then it didn't heal because there was no blood flow. Yeah. So they had to amputate it above the knee. And I think it was because of the fumes and the stuff from years of plastering, it was in his system and started to stop the blood flow. Well, um, I, so you want to add that to your list? If yeah. Not. Well, so. I, I mean... This, he was 79 this is, when this happened, this but is, it was still... This, this is what I'm going to say. So, so when, it, back in the 80s and that, I started going to, going to the gym, but I always, I always played football, squash, swam... Um, I always kept myself fit, even though I was doing a, a full day's work. I, I, I'd go to um, gym at four o'clock. Um, I mean, now obviously gyms they're, they're up and earlier now, so I, I go I go at six. But it's um, I always kept myself fit, and I think there's a lot of plasters that that look after the sense now because there's more access uh, yeah. accessibility to, to to gyms and things like that. Um, I mean. Is it uh, Mark Felix, world's strongest man? You, you were a plasterer. Um, some, some, a lot of famous plasterers, actually. Because yeah. when you're a plasterer, you notice these things. But um, all, just keep your same fit. If you're a plasterer, keep your same fit. And I know, I know they might not want to go doing, uh, you know, doing this, but as you get into your later life, you will be able to still yeah. work. But, but, but on that point... If you're a plasterer, this is this is what I'm, I've come on here for actually. But if you're a plasterer, learn this damp proofing system mm. because you, uh, 
plasters are probably earning around about two fifty to three hundred pound a day if they're lucky, um, if they, if they're on a good job. If you learn this damp proofing system, you can charge seven fifty a day. So it's a it's a massive jump because yeah. it, it's specialized and it's not hard to learn. So all, all you have to do is you know go well get get in touch with me, get in touch with mm. PCA, get in touch with Safeguard, any of these places that do system. Learn how to do this system and, you know, invest in yourself. And it's a win-win because you earn more money doing that and the person you're doing it for, the investor, the homeowner, has got a better finish, better quality, long-term product. Definitely. Um, You're trying to get your message out there about uh, stamp proofing, about doing it in the right way. You've obviously mentioned your YouTube channel, uh, Damp Sam. You're also setting up a podcast. I've got a podcast called The Damp Show. Um, the Damp in, Show. In conjunction, yeah, with we, we, um, right. lads at Progressive. Um, um, and on this show, it's it's a, it's like a hybrid. So initially, my thoughts were, um, I can I can set this uh, this show up. So I, I had to think about it, and I thought, well, it's hard to it's hard to do a podcast just on my own. Um, I'd, I'd listen saying. If you just do it on your own, people shut off after twenty minutes. But um, so you know, I, I, I could be going on for it for ages. But um, so it's kind of mixture. So I've got Dry Gav, who is the lay person. So I thought, well, if I if if I if I'm going to do a, a show on Dam, I want somebody who doesn't know what about it. Yeah. that can bounce ideas off. So we wrote a format. So I'll do like sort of I, I might do a ten minute story on a type of damp, which is which is out from you know, damp proofing rate to, to sort of beetles and, and, and all that kind of thing. Um, 10 minutes on that. We have 10 minutes on uh, Gav having a rant. We do, um, I do stories from when I was on site back in the 80s. So every, every now and again, I'll throw a story in, a couple of jokes, and it, it makes it like a kind of show. But then also, um, and this were after listening to you, this were after listening to your podcast, I were, I'd started it and I'm thinking, well, how do I do one on my own? Because Gav can only come on a Sundays. Um, and I thought, well, and I've got off a uh, studio downstairs in, in, in my basement that I converted. So uh, I um, I thought, how can I do, do it on my own? So then I was listening to yours and you you were doing like in your pocket. This is seven things on this or five things on this. And, and I yeah. thought, that's that's it. So... I'll do like you know seven types of damn um, five injuries that you get. So we, we do all that kind of thing on on, on like a short, um, and then also I do like a, a kind of interview format where it's obviously to try and get me ten thousand hours up um, and try and get better at interviewing to 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 give people a better experience listening to me um, rather than doing a lot of terms and all that kind of thing um, is just to do as many interviews as you can so but my interviews has, has been mainly with my friends because i think a lot of my people that i know have got really interesting stories and all it is about is about the work i so saw from school to job that they're doing uh, and and that journey and, and how they got there and it's to, it's to let people know that they can whatever path they cho- choose when they're 16 at school or 18 when they're at university, they're going to end up doing something completely different, a, a lot different. Mm. With and and you go up different. So you, you look at your, your your career as a as a tree trunk, and you go off on branches. Yeah. And um, but some people don't. But their their journey is interesting as well. There's some people that that stayed in the same job. Um, and and it's interesting to ask you know ask yeah. them why. Um, so the damp show. It's the damp, damp show. show. Yeah. So. Guys, we have got, right, Simon Cooper, the YouTube channel. If you found this valuable today, if you want to know more about DAMP, if you're working on projects, if you want to know how to do it yourself, but ideally get an expert to do it for you, then on YouTube, you've got DAMP Sam. But on podcast, if you like listening to podcasts, if you like listening while you're driving in the car and stuff, because you shouldn't be on YouTube in the car, you should be on a podcast, then you've got the damp show. So, Simon, really appreciate you coming in today. I think the audience are going to love that. I've got one final question for you before we shut up. You're a boxing fan. 
Yeah. Tyson Fury versus um, Wilder is co- not Wilder. Ty- he's beat Wilder. <laughs> Tyson Fury Dylan and Wilde. Dylan White's coming up. Dylan yeah. White, Wilder White. Dylan White's coming up. Who is going to win? Right. So I'll make this quick. So this is a <laughs> this is an apology, right? This is an apology. So what 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 happened was I, who's going to win? Uh, Fury's going to win. But Fury's going to win. I'm on. I, I want Fury. I want Fury. This, I've just put for anyone on the podcast. One second. I've just put twenty quid on the table. He picked Fury. I wanted Fury because I'm half Irish. So is Fury. But um, I'm putting me twenty quid back in my wallet. This but is, anyway. Let me just say this apology because and I'll just tell you this thing with social media. So what I did was I was sat waiting for my son coming uh, out of boxing. My son um, goes boxing to join Musgrave's gym, and uh, I'll sit there for an hour waiting for him. And at this. I seen this post on Facebook and I, and I looked at it and it, it, it looked like from a, a sports page and it said, Dylan White, uh, Tyson Fury cancelled. And then it said from Eddie Hearn and there were a, there were a speech saying why it had been cancelled and it was because uh, it, it pulled out, blah, 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 blah. This. So I've been like sort of trying to do newsjacking like what Rob does. So jumping on things and, and, and just letting people know. So I gets my camera and I said... Uh, Breaking news, Dylan White cancelled, so-and-so, so-and-so, I wonder why, all these things. Only a short, put it, while I'm sat there, put it up on, onto YouTube. Next thing, everybody's saying, oh, I bet all this next day, note, note it news, note it news. And it was like, it was fake news. First time I've ever seen was it fake first news. first of April? No, it was, it, actually, it was day after. <laughs> but, and I was like... I can't believe this. So then I had to do an, an apology. So I did a, a transcripted apology with, with actual picture because I didn't. I just I didn't mean to do it. It wasn't. It, everybody's saying, "Oh, clickbait, click." And I says it weren't. I says it. It were. I just saw it. I genuinely put it out, but it got like seven thousand views. Views. <laughs> Fake news gets more biggest, views. Yeah, yeah. I did put it on a short, and it, it was biggest one that I'd ever saw. But apologies, anybody that saw that post. Uh, I'm really sorry if it offended anybody. No worries. So, guys, you've got to follow, right? You've got to follow Simon Cooper, Damp Sam on YouTube, the Damp Show on the podcast, and learn about damp proofing, the systems around damp proofing. Whether you want to do it yourself, whether you're hiring a company to do it, you want to know. It's one of the big things you need to do in a property. So, you want to make sure that you know that the person who's quoting you a job, that they're not a cowboy builder that's going to quote you a cheap price and do it wrong so even if you're not going to do it yourself you still need to know what should be done so simon really appreciate you coming in and spending some time on the show guys you've been listening to the progressive property podcast i've been kevin mcdonald he's been simon cooper you've been absolutely awesome and i'll see you next week bye bye